Welcome to the Fishers of Men podcast, brought to you by us at So Much Media. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. I'm Laura Samara Sands. This podcast is about relationships and your walk with Jesus. It's about the true stories of Christian men and women's struggles with chastity, sex, marriage, and relationships in a post-Christian culture. to the Fishers of Men podcast. I'm Mary Ashley Britton. I'm Laura Samara Sams. And today we will be tackling a very fascinating subject uh, with my friend Carla Roscas Maldonado. And you are a... Marriage and family therapist. It's so wonderful to have friends that are therapists. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, Laura and I, have had several brushes in our lives with people who we think are narcissists. Who we think. <laughs> Who are undiagnosed, but we <laughs> suspect there may be a little bit of narcissism going on there. And so we really wanted to talk to a mental health professional um, to get some real answers instead of us just uh, speculating. And vilifying our various romantic right. encounters. We need to, we need to, we're making, we're doing a lot of work on ourselves. Yes. We're yes. making efforts to get over the bitterness and the resentment. <laughs> <laughs> Carla, uh, so happy to be talking to you. Today. Me too, Ashley. Yay, I'm so happy. Okay, so could you fill us in on what is narcissism as a disorder? What are the signs of it? What do people that are narcissists typically do, say, how can you How can you pinpoint them? Yeah. Hmm. Well, like any really important question, it comes with multiple layers of answers. Yay. So I, I think, first of all, I'd like to say that like any disorder, uh, mental health disorder, there's there's spectrum, mm-hmm. right? So I, I don't want to be remiss in kind of just making sure that we have that kind of in the forefront of our minds, that... There are people that maybe struggle with characteristics of narcissistic personality disorder on one end, and then on the other end are people whose lives are destroyed by it. Mm. So I just wanna just wanted to make that point to start out with. I think we all have this general idea, or at least in the society kind of common nomenclature of using statements like oh she's so full of herself or he's so conceited and Mm -hmm. things like that or even using the term you know he's so narcissistic you know I think often kind of rolls off the tongue I think that we get into some trouble with that just and I and I I'm really glad that we're discussing this topic because people that struggle with narcissistic personality disorder, you know, there's a reason for it. And I'm sure we'll get to that later. One of the pieces that comes out with this disorder is kind of an overinflated sense of self. So what does that look like? So that looks like believing that their achievements are greater or more important than maybe they are in reality or mm-hmm. compared to someone else's achievements. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Laura's checking off the listener. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> creating they 
they have this um, sometimes an, another characteristic is this sense that kind of creating in their minds a narrative about how great, how special, how unique they are right. in comparison to the rest of society. And then they kind of function out of that narrative of how special, how unique. And a lot of that, a lot of the time that shows up in entitled behavior, mm. feeling as though they deserve a certain level of treatment mm-hmm. and sometimes can even become, I don't know, aggressive is not the right word. That's a little bit too strong, but um, maybe even kind of agitated or upset when those that expectation of treatment isn't met. Mm-hmm. And my feeling is that is is because that whatever that treatment might have been, um, it does not coincide with the story or narrative that they're living from. If I believe that I am a certain person and I deserve a certain treatment and I don't receive that, then I will genuinely feel belittled and take it very personally. Does that is that making sense? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But one thing that's interesting is that I've heard about narcissists in romantic relationships is that they can really, they're really good at sweeping someone off their feet in the beginning and showing a lot of attention to be able to get more later on a power dynamic of submission. Mm. Would you say Mm. that's true? I read a really interesting article about it. I... I would say that I I would agree with the first part of that. The second part I'm not so sure about, and I just want to say too, I'm not I'm not the world's expert on narcissism. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I, mean, I want to throw that out there as well. Um, but the the first part of sweeping people off their feet um, in order to gain some type of advantage does sound very characteristic mm-hmm. of of someone with narcissistic personality disorder, they manipulation is the word that comes to mind. I know that has a pretty negative connotation, but it's, it's the act of doing in order to receive. Mm. So anything that I do is in some ways kind of calculated to benefit myself. Mm. And when it comes to romantic relationships in the beginning, that might not be very clear right? That like a person's motives for their actions might not be clear until we really get to know that person. Mm -hmm. So I think that sometimes it does happen where people become swept away by the charm. And um, oftentimes people, uh, narcissistic personality disorder are very gregarious, outgoing. And those types of characteristics are attractive to many people. Um, to a lot of people. So sometimes in order to make a person like them or gain something from the relationship, they they will go to sometimes like, I don't want to say extreme, but they'll they'll work really hard to court somebody. But typically the motivation is kind of is more self-centered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what is makes that, it so scary though. Is that, <laughs> Am I answering questions? I just want to make sure that yeah. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm hitting points. Okay. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, that's that to me is the scariest part is the idea that the person that you might be seeing and that you might be – that might be romancing you and you might be falling for, that person might not even exist in 
you know, in real life, in real life, <laughs> you know? it's just this facade that they're putting up to, yeah. in order to get something out of you or the relationship, relationship. or whatnot. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, so, what, we have a question here about, well, you talked about disorder, but, uh, and then also describing people as narcissistic just because it's something that is in we our, say a lot. our societal vernacular. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there is a, a, a very stark difference between just calling somebody that and then it is an actual disorder. I'm more interested in that because obviously I'm more inclined to call people narcissistic because I'm just trying to put it like jab them. Right. But there's an actual, <laughs> actual disorder. And I just want to know more about that. And how, how can you tell? And do you know, I know you said you're not an expert in this necessarily, but do you have a general sense of society's uh, stats of, is it half of men? Is it most men? <laughs> is it am I, I, I justified in uh, calling men? That's, that's really funny. <laughs> Um, just, just please justify my experience. Right. That's what, what I, yes. That I've seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so, so stats are, you know, around, you know, around the realm of it, it affects, um, 1% of Americans and that it's most often found in men. You know, there's not a whole lot of research out there that I found and in terms of like causes and things like that. But and I, I'm sure if people dug a little bit more, they'd be able to find, you know, some more kind of in-depth stats on it. But at least in my research, that's what I had found. And back and to your first question about kind of the difference between the disorder and someone that is displaying characteristics of narcissistic personality disorder, I want to go back to that idea of the spectrum. I think that we can all probably recognize moments in our lives in which we acted narcissistically. Right. Right. And I think for me, um, as a clinician, and when I work with folks, whether it be around narcissism or depression or anxiety, is looking at how it impacts their quality of life. And so if, if a person with narcissistic personality disorder has relationships that are healthy, is able to work with coworkers, and there's not a lot of stress or conflict. So you look at different areas of life and, and to see, you know, is this person, do they have kind of a high quality of life, but in multiple areas, right? And that's the same thing with depression. Like I might feel sad one day, or I might not have motivation and want to lay on the couch and watch movies all day. But if it's on a Saturday and I can, yeah, I might have had a more depressed day, but that doesn't necessarily meet criteria for a, a diagnosis of depression. Yeah. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. So I think... With narcissistic personality disorder, it is especially tricky because one of the key features of narcissistic personality disorder is the inability to recognize it within themselves. So (laughs) this is the reason why it's tricky is because people that struggle with this disorder 
um, will not necessarily, well, majority of the time, it will not be their decision to seek treatment. It is usually the suggestion of a family member or friends or relationships that are being affected by the disorder. I think this for me is, is very tricky because this disorder is more resistant to treatment for that reason, because there is a sense that people need to have the ability to be introspective and reflective and able to take responsibility for their actions and their words and their thoughts. And this disorder is like completely against all of those things. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that probably opens up like 20 more questions, but I just, I want to pause and just make sure that I, well, I'm going in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I love just like just the discussion part of this because yeah, yeah, we we can have all these kind of questions and scientific you know uh, uh, reasonings behind this disorder or whatnot. But in the end, it, our podcast is about relationships, and uh, we want to be conversational about it because we want to talk about the experience or the brushes we might have had with. You know, narcissistic people. Laura really wants to talk about her brushes with narcissists. <laughs> Romantic or otherwise. I have, um, I have several friends that have narcissistic parents, and I can, mm. and that can be really hard mm-hmm. on them. And it's hard in just what you were talking about in getting that, that person uh, to recognize that in themselves. Which brings me to how do we kind of gently and in love and with grace point people to, Hey, this might be something that you are dealing with (laughs) or not dealing with obviously, but, um, that is affecting you or affecting your relationship. I mean, that, that's not a conversation that is pleasant from either side, you know, whether it's person receiving it or the person that is, pointing it out because of course it sounds like this judgment or you are just putting a label on me and or making excuses or, or making something excuses or, or whatnot. Yeah. So is there a way I, I just how do we handle yeah, how would you relationships <laughs> in general? Like, what do I do? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um I think that there I think that there is there is a way and I and I think the way is is more of a journey than a conversation when I think about it. And, and the reason I say that, because I think it's, I think it takes time to kind of, I mean, I don't want to say unravel, but um, kind of gently drop seeds of wanting the relationship to be different. I mean, that, I mean, that's kind of the goal here is, I'm not okay with something that's happening in this relationship. I want it to be different because I love you. And I, I think that is where we get to that, that place of something needs to be different. And I think for me, I, when I, when I think about having these conversations or going on this journey with someone, it, it is for me about recognizing trying to be, as empathic as possible for what they're struggling with. I I think in the beginning when we were kind of just chatting before we started was, you know, how do we be empathic towards people that aren't empathic? 
Yeah. Which is a whole nother conversation yeah. maybe, but, and, and I think that's where I'm leaning is trying to find ways to be empathic because when I think about it, when we think about how narcissistic personality disorder tends to be created, of course, going back to attachments with parents, I only mention this because I feel as though this greatly impacts how a person responds to whether it be criticism or just, hey, I don't like this. Can we change it? Um, which is a normal part of a human experience, right? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, hopefully, like those are conversations that happen in any marriage and any relationship all the time. And for a person struggling with narcissistic personality disorder, it's more about, I think about, you know, the target of this change is targeting who I am versus a behavior that I'm doing. Yes, and And I take it really personally. Absolutely. And how, and that, you know, probably stemming from childhood of perhaps being made to feel less than unworthy of that all of their praise or attention was given to their achievements, but never really made to feel worthy just because they're a creation. Mm -hmm. And so any type of information that they receive that I've made a mistake, or I've done something that has been hurtful is kind of like a direct shot to their heart and to their ego and it stinks. Right. And so it's, I think the question is how do I either soften my arrow, right? (laughs) And be able to communicate my message of love to this person, trying to do it in a way that will elicit the less amount of defensiveness as possible. Right. I think there are probably many, depending on the relationship, there's probably many ways to do that. And I'm, I'm actually more curious to see what people have done, mm-hmm. you know, what strategies people have used to, because I think every situation is different. someone who's overly narcissistic in my life and this is probably not the healthiest strategy but I really just try to minimize <laughs> my time <laughs> with them right. and, and their impact in my life because often I've felt like it's just kind of uh swimming upstream mm-hmm. a little bit too much and it's just kind of exhausting Draining, um totally. because 
it's always all about them, everybody else is always wrong, they're always the victim, they're not responsible for anything, and anything that I say, well, how about this or that, is, you know, it turns into a fight, and or, you know, it's yeah. just never resolved, and so, you know, I, I would like to know as well how to go about having a healthy and satisfactory relationship with a narcissist. <laughs> yeah, cause, uh, yeah, just the people in my life um, that have had people that displayed these sort of personality characteristics, you know, the, the response has been both, I'm going to try to love this person anyway, and then it drives that person a little mad. And mm -hmm. it, it's frustrating because it feels like you're not getting through that person. And then it ends in, I'm just going to maybe not cut this person off, especially if it's like a parent or somebody that actually you want in your life as a friend or or otherwise, but it is limiting time with that person because... Or just keeping in mind yeah, what is going on with them. Right. And that mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily mm -hmm. mean anything about me. Yeah. And yeah, just, and, and trying not to be defensive in your own right. Yeah. Like just like, okay, this is how this person is, and I'm not going to let it affect me, which of course is hard, especially the, the closer the relationship or the, is. You know, you... You want to try your best to foster relationship, but how do you do that when it feels so one-sided? Yeah. You know, because mm -hmm. relationship obviously is a two-way streak, and if you can't have that, how do you continue? And in, it's been unfortunate. In one case, I have a friend whose parent just it's, – it's been so hard in the last few years – to watch their relationship disintegrate because now she has cut this person off from her life and it's really mm -hmm. hard, especially in a, like a parental role. Mm -hmm. And then in another case, a friend of mine whose parent, it, it, it's interesting because you said earlier that it's mostly in men, but in, in both these cases, it's the moms of my mm -hmm. friends. Mm -hmm. um, but the, it, but in the other person's case of the mom, like it's, she's very much still involved in her life, but she has had to learn how to cultivate this kind of, patience or mm -hmm. the way they interact she has to kind of get away from her own head and just like let it brush aside you know anything that this the mom would say she would have to kind of take at it as a great assault because yeah. it's it's not you it's no. not you you know interestingly <laughs> i i actually just discovered that on reddit there's an entire community <laughs> called raised by narcissists oh my goodness and oh. and i had no idea it existed before uh, like a couple weeks ago but but of course it does <laughs> but of course it does yeah and it's so interesting because you see the same patterns and stories kind of coming up and you know some are worse than others mm. but that's a very interesting place where you can see people getting support and figuring out actually kind of what to do, especially people that are still living at home with their parents, Yeah, um, you know, and how it's like every little thing, you know, the one upping, you know, like you, oh, you want support so from your parent annoying. and then they're, they just one up you yeah. And, yeah. Uh, in terms of like, you know, they're the, the person that's suffering the most at any given moment. Right. And, but it's good to know, like, just as you were talking, I was thinking, it, in in the end, it's also about their insecurities, and it's, it is about, they are so self-centered um, and self-focused because they do feel a sense of insecurity that people can't pierce or they can't even talk themselves out of, and I think that's hard to keep in mind because, again, it always has, they always have a defensiveness first mm -hmm. but in the end it is also about their wounds as well but unfortunately for those raised by 
narcissists or those dating narcissists or whatever, you know, you're going to be affected in a way that you do have these wounds and it's going to be hard to heal when you can't involve that other person in in that process. Yeah. And that (laughs) brings me to our next question. How do you go about healing, especially if you've dated someone who showed these narcissistic tendencies or you've been raised by one, Mm. um, especially one thing that really scares me is the gaslighting concept. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is also on our national radar right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, um, You know, of just somebody telling you that your experience is just totally false and is not, is just not right. And that to me is a very scary place to be in and a very scary thing to come back from because you have to question your own sense of reality and you have someone literally telling you alternative facts. Yes. Alternative facts. Believe me over (laughs) yourself. So how do you come back from that and, and actually trusting yourself and your perception of the world and trusting others? Yeah, that's, that's another really great question. And, and I wanted to, I, I think this ties in, you know, my response to this question ties into actually something the two of you were just mentioning um, in the last conversation, which was how, how do I navigate myself in this relationship? Yeah. And depending on if it's a coworker or a family member. And, and I think what at the end, what kind of came out of that, uh, or one of the things that came out of that was this recognition of it's not about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's not, it's not me, right? I'm, I am um, need to recognize that this person this person is struggling with something, and I think the rec- the recognition, which I think ties into this question about healing, is recognizing that there's something bigger going on here. That I don't I I don't have to take it personally that this yeah. person wants to one up me all the time or that this person never recognizes my my contributions for instance that um it's hard not to take those things personally because those things hurt (laughs) I mean let's just be honest like those those things do affect us um and I think if if we can keep that awareness in the forefront of our minds I think it helps us um, in relationship with people that struggle with narcissistic personality disorder to, to not take things as personally to, like you said, with your friend to take it with a grain of salt and be able to live in that relationship, but you're going to live in it in a different way than you live in other relationships in your life. And, and that's something that we all have to decide whether or not we want to do because it, Sometimes it takes a lot of energy to do that. Because then in the end, it is a choice. Because there's a difference between your parent versus a friend or a coworker versus a romantic partner. Mm -hmm. You can choose to break up with somebody. Mm -hmm. But if you choose to stay with that person, it's going to take a lot of work. And, you know, in the end, I'm glad that I didn't stay with people, (laughs) uh, certain people. But, you know, when you have to deal with somebody that you Mm. do want to keep around, I I think it's important that grace be in the forefront, but also this whole thing about not taking things personally, which is so 
freaking hard but yeah that's a that's a whole nother uh podcast yeah (laughs) i know that i'm not the prettiest or smartest or funniest girl that you'll ever meet but you chose me baby so why don't you act like it i am not your enemy baby why can't you love me right because you're too busy loving yourself can we um take a step back um, yeah <laughs> so if you are if you have a relationship friend coworker, romantic partner parent and you suspect that the other person might be a narcissist what are some of the characteristics of a relationship with a narcissist or of interactions with one I think for me, the, one of the, um, one of the biggest signs or maybe first signs that show up is, um, recognizing that your partner, your coworker, whomever, um, has a very difficult time or completely avoids taking responsibility at all for their words, behaviors, or actions, or that's the same thing as behaviors. Um, so being, being able to take responsibility for especially something that didn't go so great and, and being able to say, yeah, I messed up. I'm sorry. Those words to a narcissist are like death. When I say I'm sorry, it's basically meaning it basically means to me that I'm worth nothing. And Yikes. If we've, if we, if any of us have had an experience where we've been made to feel like we are worth nothing, that is probably the experience we avoid the most in life. Mm -hmm. So I think that is what for me shows up the most when it comes to relationships is that struggle of trying to have this, like you said, two way street relationship that's give and take that's giving feedback and it's, and it's receiving feedback and when a person is really unable to do that and and avoids it, and that's maybe when gaslighting happens, because it's this extreme avoidance of accepting um, an error that we end up manipulating the situation to make the person feel like their reality isn't real, and so that we aren't the ones in error. Well, well okay. <laughs> Actually, so I have a friend who many years ago, she had a coworker who was in an abusive relationship and the, the guy that she was dating would just punch her out of nowhere, out of nowhere. They would just be sitting there and he would punch her and then she'd be like, why did you punch me? And he'd be like, I didn't, I didn't, what are you talking about? I didn't just do that. I didn't, I didn't punch you, punch you. What? Yeah. And so she started thinking that she was crazy. Right. Well, I think you just named, you know, feeling number two, right? Mm. <laughs> it's re- recognizing, you know, you know, one of the things was not being able to accept responsibility for their actions, which clearly this guy did not accept responsibility for his actions. And then in return, well, he used gaslighting, but it ended up making the other person feel they're questioning their own sense of reality. Mm-hmm. Right. Which, you know, we label as crazy. Right. Feeling crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that I don't even know what my own reality is anymore. And, did the, and sorry, so, just did the guy yeah. actually 
literally think that he didn't, or was he just saying that? I, d- I don't know. Oh, okay, because, man, that sounds like he's crazy. I, I of mean, course. I, yeah, I don't know. That's so insane to me. Anyway, I'm sorry. It's just <laughs> such a crazy story. <laughs> because, and it's not just narcissists, right? That gaslight. I mean, I, I feel like oh, I've heard no, of yeah, this it's- in with many different people in many different relationships, but more often than not, as someone who's looking to manipulate the situation so that they come out ahead. Yeah. You know, so and, they can and form. I, you know, I want to recognize too, that I, I think we can all recognize moments in, in which we use gaslighting mm-hmm. and right. it wasn't necessarily, you know, with the intention of hurting somebody, but it was, probably to escape some type of really unpleasant situation, which was either I'm getting caught. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I'm going to gaslight a little bit and be like, I, I didn't leave the bathroom light on. <laughs> I didn't finish the. Right. I didn't finish that last piece of pie. Like it was there yesterday. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I think, I think just like, you know, recognizing that, you know, it, it's used, but I think when it, when it comes down to like how it affects people in relationship and, and how it can be very manipulative and hurtful when, when used, you know, for that, for those purposes or over and over and over again to the point where you just, you do begin to question your own sense of reality. I think that is another sign, you know, we were talking about how, how do you know when maybe, you're in relationship with someone that's struggling with this. If you've ever questioned your own sense of reality, I would say that's a pretty good sign <laughs> that that's that there's some dynamic in your relationship. And you know, without knowing it, without knowing the relationship, I can't say like, oh yeah, if A equals B. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you've ever questioned your reality, then they must be a narcissist. Like, no, I mean, there's so many different factors, but I think at least it gives us pause to say, huh okay, this isn't really a normal experience that most healthy relationships have of where one person in the relationship is questioning their reality. So maybe I just need to take a step back and and then talk to a trusted confidant because that is how we get our reality base back is talking with whether it's a therapist, whether it's just any, any trusted person, it doesn't matter where they come from in your life, but being able to share your experience with them and get that reality check back and say, uh, this is what I'm experiencing. What does this sound like to you? Because then that person who hopefully has their two feet based in reality (laughs) can say, oh, wow, yeah, that sounds off. Or there's something not quite right about their response or how they're treating you or X, Y, Z. And so that's how we can kind of recalibrate ourselves back to a sense of reality. And and then I think the next next phase is, is beginning to beginning to be more aware of when that happens to us so that we can check in with ourselves and begin to trust our own intuition. Because mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that happens when, you know, we start to question our reality is that we start to question our own intuition and that true wisdom that we that everyone has. Yeah. And I think the more and more a person can can connect with that wisdom and trust it the less and less we will feel like 
we we don't know what's real in life and we'll we'll be better able to kind of discern is this like what this situation is is this am i being gaslighted right now hmm yep sure feels like it okay so then it's you're you've recognized it you've named it and you don't have to go down that path anymore yeah it seems to me like especially in this type of relationship, what's really important is to have a very strong sense of self. Mm. And I think, especially if you've been dealing with a narcissist and you feel like you're, you know, walking on eggshells around them or bending over backwards to cater to them, it's really easy to lose a sense of who you are. Mm -hmm. And, and that's why I think gaslighting is so nefarious is because it kind of praise on something a tendency that's maybe slightly there already of um you're kind of losing yourself in this person Mm. and or in this relationship and they're sucking you in and you are losing your grip on who you are and what you want and whether or not this is okay for you right you lose the ability to be authentic around that person yeah your authentic self Though mm. I, I question, I want to question my sense of reality. Um, for those that are listening to this and maybe quite asking the question, "Wow, am I a narcissist?" Which, if you're asking that question, you probably aren't. Yeah. <laughs> however, the answer is probably no. However, for those that do want to really know, if you have that sense about yourself, or you like, oh my gosh, am I falling into that trap of being narcissistic? to my loved ones is there a way for somebody to test that in themselves we're talking about the other side of like how can mm-hmm. you tell of your partner coworker, friend whatever but how about of yourself is there a way to kind of just put yourself in check because like you said it's a spectrum and we all yeah. we all have tendencies to some degree whether small or large is there some sort of kind of litmus test of in the moment like oh my gosh am i being manipulative right now or Am, I, Am just, I just all about me right now? Yeah, or like how how can I ask a question and, and just kind of get myself out of myself? Which yeah. Is, which, of course, is hard. Like how can you tell you're in the Matrix when you're there? And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> right. But what, is, there, is there something that would be helpful? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think there are. I think there are some, some pretty, you know, user-friendly, for like a better terms, <laughs> kind of checks, right, that we can, we can do for ourselves. And one of them is using the question of who, who, is, who am I putting first? That to me is one of the best ways to know, am I, am I uh, working or living out of a place of selfishness? Or am I living out of a place of, of giving? So that question of who am I putting first? And you can really ask that question in, in multiple situations in life, yeah. right? That's one of them is, is who am I putting first? The other one is, and I am laughing internally and externally right now because I do this, <laughs> um, <laughs> is do you feel resentful when you don't receive the praise or admiration you were looking for. Mm, that's good. And and I think that we all can kind of maybe dig back in our memory box sure. and think about times when we did, you know, we felt resentful. And I think resentful is kind of the 
the grime of entitlement. And so when we don't feel like we've gotten what we are entitled to, then we start resenting people for that. So that that for me is another check mm, is yeah. kind of just keeping a very keen eye on our own entitlement and and by way of when we feel resentful. That is also such a hard area to navigate mm-hmm. through sometimes as well because yeah, I, I want to be careful about like not being entitled and not being resentful about somebody not recognizing my contribution. But at the same time, I, I don't want to encourage people to fall into an abusive relationship where mm-hmm. they aren't recognized they're just taken at advantage all of. and they're, they're just a doormat and, and all of those things that we have talked about on this podcast uh, before as well. And it's just that, that gray area of, well, where am I overstepping my bounds as becoming a narcissist versus... I am actually entitled to my human rights, you know, like, you know, so I I do want to be careful um, when I ask those questions of myself or when I'm talking to people and encouraging them in this way, like, yeah, don't be a doormat, but also it's so hard. It's so hard, especially when you, when you are trying to live a Christian life Mm -hmm. and, you know, Jesus tells us to do a lot of really crazy things, like, you know, Mm -hmm. like if we have more than one coat, give away that other coat, (laughs) you know, like, like turn the other cheek if someone mm-hmm. is hitting you, you know, and so like, <laughs> we're not encouraging that for anybody in a relationship in which you're being hit. Please don't. Please I mean, go yeah, but but it's like if you take it literally, it's like, well, dang, Jesus, like, yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah, thank you. Um, but yeah, and it's also, I think that's very hard to navigate as well for people who kind of define themselves as helpers um, Mm -hmm. or take a lot of pride in the fact that they're helpers. They might be the first people to think, oh, like, I would never be a narcissist. I'm constantly helping people. But then also if you're constantly bitter because you're not getting praise and recognition because, yeah, you're you're Mm -hmm. just doing these things and you're just jumping in to quote-unquote help Mm -hmm. when maybe help is not even being asked for or, right. or sometimes it is asked for and, and you're just like jumping in and you're doing it but then there's something empty you, you're feeling yeah. this emptiness when you're not getting you feel like you're not getting reciprocated in, yeah in the way you want it want yeah. yeah which that's also very hard because obviously like helping is a good thing you yeah. know yeah well then I, I think what what for me what the theme that's coming up is kind of the martyr syndrome yeah right the the, you know, I'm going to put myself out there, but the, the kind of core motivation behind that is to receive, right? So, I mean, if I look at what is my core motivation here, it's to receive praise or appreciation or whatever. And that's kind of my motivating force for this behavior, you know, this, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then when it's not, received then you know the bitterness as as Mary Ashley was saying you know that bitterness or resentment comes up because I didn't receive what my core motivation was um and, and that you know back to the martyr syndrome but you know it's interesting this conversation because we're kind of talking about two as I hear it kind of two ends of an extreme right mm-hmm. it's the person that wants to kind of self-check them kind of do a self-check on am I you know, kind of my my selfish meter, my my selfishness meter, and kind of using that those questions to track myself. And then on the other end of the spectrum is um, looking at a person that maybe has a tendency to. On the other end of the spectrum is my narrative is that I am worth nothing, and yeah. that I do that I do deserve bad treatment, oh, yeah. right? And, and I'm so, not allowed to ask for what I want dangerous. or need. It, 
Yeah, exactly. And, and so I think as the kind of the, the perspective was brought up that, you know, these questions that we're talking about are for people that maybe find themselves living more on the spectrum of some self selfishness or self-centered behaviors. And they really want to keep themselves accountable for for not behaving like that in their relationships because they recognize that it's hurtful. So those these questions are for people that maybe find themselves on that end of the spectrum. I think there's a whole other set of questions for people that find themselves on the end of the spectrum where their narrative is that I don't deserve good treatment or um, I, I am unworthy, I'm not valuable. Um, so that those that narrative, I think there's a whole nother set of questions. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard just to be a healthy person. It's so <laughs> hard. It's too much work. <laughs> there's so much reflection. <sighs> oh, so it much is. work to it do. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I wanted to bring up the topic of dating a little bit uh, because we've talked about relationships of all kinds. And I'm kind of wondering if online dating in the way that it is now, is it kind of encouraging narcissistic behavior? And what can we do about that? Like, how could we approach dating and make sure that we're doing it in a healthy and not selfish way? And I just say that if like... Just because if you can get on an app and swipe through a bunch of pictures <laughs> and like reduce reduce someone to like the very very basic you know physical characteristics or you yeah. know one or two lines in a profile, um, it, it I think has a tendency to make us feel very important. Like oh I have I have all these options or you know like I, I think it's on OkCupid. It told me that I have like thirty five hundred guys have said they've liked me. Oh uh, that's overwhelming. <laughs> Yeah, so like like literally the population of a small town of guys has liked me. Quality does not equal quantity. Right, right, obviously, yeah, yeah because, you know, it's like... That's Your reaction's like, where is that town? Yeah. <laughs> How can I get this? Let's go yeah, what, what, what would that town look like even? Yeah, I don't even know. Um, but yeah, because that's obviously not translating into like a warm and nurturing relationship in my life, you know. So there, yes. there's a disconnect, you know, and but it, it, if I... I think pursued the evil side of myself. If I let the evil side of myself right, I'd be like, oh, you know, I am so awesome. 3,500 guys have liked me. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I must be just amazing and really important. And and then start to proceed on a path of, like, really judging others and thinking that others are really inferior to me. And, uh. you know, especially uh, all these guys that keep hitting this like button. And really, I just want to clarify too. I mean, that those likes for me, just from my perspective are really insignificant because they're kind of like the very bare minimum that anybody could do. I mean, it's literally clicking a button. Yeah. And it, it's not really communicating anything. And yeah. in fact, I think it may even be kind of passive aggressive in a way oh, yeah. it's like you know I, i'm just yeah. gonna make the minimum amount of effort mm -hmm. and then i i will be able to say i did something yeah. 
<laughs> I I think the 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 psychology to online dating slash app dating. If I just coined a new term, I don't know. But app dating. Um, I I haven't been in the dating scene for a while, but I do think that this um, phenomenon is extremely interesting. And to your point um, about you know how kind of the the question for me is how does this affect my interactions with people and how I see myself. And I think you're right. I do think that it does affect how we, how we view the world and how we view ourselves, whether that be more positively with this, you know, small town of guys or, (laughs) you know, or even more negatively, you know, where people start to feel really down on themselves or down about themselves and kind of lose a sense of self, self esteem and self worth based on, what they're receiving from an app or from from their profile. And I, I just want to say that I think the way that it, it just the entire structure of it is set up to minimize it. Well, I mean, not to minimize people, not like that was the purpose of it. But I think that's one of the consequences yeah. is that it has to minimize us in a way to get the information across clearly and in a in a quick manner. Right. And so we're kind of recognizing that we've kind of created dating. Um, and we've gone from like, you know, I don't know why I've made this metaphor in my head about like farming food and cultivating food and like waiting for the crop to come and then (laughs) getting that crop or like fattening the pig or whatever. And like, you know, we, we, you know, go through this process. That's a natural process of cultivating food and then preparing it to eat to like a fast food version. Right. Mm, that's a good Right. Idea. And so everything has to be like quicker. We cut corners and we're doing that with our, with like our a person, yeah, right? Yeah. It's, I mean, <laughs> we're not food, but um, <laughs> no. Yeah. But, and it's, but so, people look at it like, yeah, I, it's I mean, it, it's like ordering food. I mean, it basically, yeah. it, cause it's the same mechanism as yeah. ordering a pizza for delivery. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it really or going is. up to a, a fast food window and looking at the pictures and like, Oh, that looks good. Like literally yeah. on Tinder, it's yeah. like, Oh, she looks good. He looks good. Whatever. Swipe left, swipe right, whatever. Right. Right. And, and it's so easy to, to forget that, at the other end of the screen is, or the, you know, the, the, on the other end, there is a real living, breathing human person who has, you know, we reduced, right. Who has flaws and has virtues and has a whole entire history of, uh, you know, wounds and victories and everything that makes a person human. Absolutely. (laughs) Shop at the the whole foods of, (laughs) where (laughs) is the whole foods of dating? Yeah. I I would like a a highly nutritious organic man (laughs) that has been raised with love. (laughs) Free range. Free range. that's a whole nother topic you know all of these things are so so fascinating and and I just I want you know back to the back to the idea of kind of does it create kind of more narcissistic behaviors or tendencies and and I I think by you know simple fact of how it's created and and kind of what it's meant for is kind of you know kind of quick quick exposure right Mm -hmm. um I think that it does create sense for 
for everyone to put forth, in a sense, my best self, right? And I think that is very, that's very, um, I don't want to say one, well, one-sided, that's not the right word. It's very limiting, right? As as we're kind of talking about. And so I think too, I mean, I've seen this a little bit with Facebook as well, that the, the tendency, I think, to to be putting out what we think maybe people want to see or hear kind of the the best of the best of our lives and when we're talking sorry mm -hmm. you know what tinder actually does now is they choose your hottest photo for you automatically based on how people are responding or you know whatever i guess it's you know like how long they look at your picture or or how how they're swiping or so they just like they i i'm not on it very much because i think it's horrible but um for research purposes yeah for research purposes so so i got a notification the other day and they're like oh just letting know we're just going to continuously be changing your profile based on like whatever is the most popular wow right now so it's like we're not even choosing the best face to right put forward. Well, talk, talk about metrics, talk right? about like um you know questioning our own reality yeah. you know this like um i thought that was a dang good picture like <laughs> What are you you know, what are you talking about? And, and so, you know, I think that, I think that it is, it's hard because then I want to like go just like a little, like, I don't know how big of a step deeper this is, but to the fact that online dating is, you know, or any dating really, but we're taking a risk, right? We, we are taking a risk with putting ourselves out there and kind of opening up ourselves into to a certain degree to this this population of people, and I think you know as as I'm you know talking about this, it makes me think about all of the ways we behave when we're about to take a risk. You know, we think about what do I want to put out there? If I put out my true real self, that is I'm put I am internally creating a I'm creating more space for potential um potential harm I mean not not harm pain okay so if I put out something out there that is super important to me and that I feel like yes this is a core value of mine this is truly a part of who I am um and you know, I don't get liked or people, you know, make a comment or I'm not receiving, you know, as much um, attention as I wanted, that that leaves space for me to question and to feel rejected and that hurts. So I think maybe this is kind of a question because, you know, again, I'm no expert. The question is, do we put information out there um, partly to avoid the the pain of being rejected for things that we truly care about. Mm, gosh, that's, wow, that's, that's really deep. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, on that note, <laughs> until next time. Gosh, I, yeah, I don't even know how to respond to that, but I think that definitely is fodder for uh, even another episode. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so it does seem like a kind of good place to yeah. wrap up. We'll have to have you back, Carla. Definitely. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for talking to us, Carla. This has been a very enlightening and thought-provoking conversation. Yes, thank you. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure, Ashley. Oh, thank you, Carla. <laughs> thank you for listening to our podcast. This has been another episode of Fishers of Men. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please email us at fishersofmenpodcast at gmail.com or find us on our website at fishersofmenpodcast.com. We are also on Facebook under Fishers of Men. Follow us on Twitter at at LA Gone Fishing or on Instagram at Fishers of Men Podcast. There is an underscore after each word. Please also remember to rate and make comments on iTunes if you feel so inclined. It's really important so that other people can discover our podcast. I'm Laura Samir-Sams. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. Until next time, keep swimming. Uh, uh, oh, 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 oh. You know you got a really big